Welcome to Pharmacology Made Non-Toxic. This episode we're going to discuss about anticoagulation or two of the most important drugs that is heparin and warfarin. So first let's look at heparin. So now there are two types of heparin. So the first one is the unfractionated heparin and the second one is a low molecular weight heparin. So we talk about first the unfractionated heparin. Let us talk about its characteristics. It has a high negative charge density. Now this is very important right you'll understand why as we go along but for right now just remember it has a high negative charge density with a weight of 8 to 15 kilodalton okay now naturally it is found in basophils and mast cells right naturally found in basophils and mast cells so how do they act they basically activate antithrombin 3 now the activation of antithrombin 3 will cause or give rise to the inactivation of 2a that is thrombin an inactivation of factor 10a right so it activates antithrombin giving rise to inactivation of 2a that is thrombin and factor 10a okay it's mainly used for immediate anticoagulation Heparin is used for immediate anticoagulation in conditions such as acute coronary syndrome, myocardial infarction, deep vein thrombosis, and pulmonary embolism. Okay, acute coronary syndrome, MI, DVT, and pulmonary embolism. What are the side effects? Importantly is bleeding, right? So heparin can give rise to bleeding and more importantly is heparin induced thrombocytopenia. So how does this happen? How does heparin induce thrombocytopenia? So heparin binds to platelet factor 4. Now the binding of heparin to platelet factor 4 results in the development of IgG antibodies. So what happens is this IgG antibody binds to the heparin platelet, four, platelet factor 4 complex this binding of the antibody to the heparin platelet 
factor 4 complex activates platelets and this results in thrombosis and thrombocytopenia okay so other than bleeding and heparin induced thrombocytopenia the other side effects of heparin are hyperkalemia and osteoporosis so what is the antidote for it then protamine sulfate remember protamine sulfate so protamine sulfate is basically a positively charged molecule and it binds to the negatively charged heparin and acts as the antidote now what is the advantage of heparin the good thing is it does not cross placenta and it is not secreted in the milk okay so it's safe the only disadvantage is that you would have to monitor prothrombin time okay so the investigation that you will have to do when you're using it is your prothrombin time okay now talking about the on the other hand the low molecular weight heparin so the normal one is weight of 8 to 15 kilo deltan the low molecular weight heparin has a weight of roughly 4.5 kilo deltan now basically it's the same mechanism of action it activates right anti thrombin 3 this activation leads, or leads or gives rise to the inactivation of factor 2a that is thrombin or factor 10a okay but mainly with the low molecular weight heparin they tend to act more on factor 10a okay so some examples of low molecular weight heparin you have got delta parin which is your fragment index enoxaparin which is your lexin okay these are the two common low molecular weight heparin use okay and they act predominantly on factor 10a instead of 2a okay what are they delta parin which is known as fragment as well and enoxaparin known as clexin now what are what is the bet uh sorry advantage of low molecular weight heparin in comparison to the uh, unfractionated heparin right so the low molecular weight heparin has a better bioavailability compared to the unfractionated heparin it can be administered subcutaneously okay that also without the need for monitoring the aptt your activated partial thromoplastin time coagulation parameter right
it has a longer half-life by two to four times compared to the unfractionated heparin and it has a smaller risk of osteoporosis okay clear then moving on to warfarin the next drug so <coughs> warfarin basically acts by interfering with gamma carboxylation what's gamma carboxylation it's a process of synthesis of vitamin key dependent clotting factors okay it interferes with the synthesis of vitamin k dependent clotting factors such as factor 2 7 9 and 10 factor 2 7 9 and 10 okay so this warfarin has a very high its characteristics has a very high protein binding so it can bind very readily to these factors okay this vitamin k dependent clotting factor that is number one another thing you need to note when i talk about mechanism infection of warfarin which is very very important right especially when you if you're going to use warfarin you should know it has an initial thrombogenic effect and this is because of the decrease in two important protein that is protein c and protein s due to its high protein binding capacity or high protein binding ability right so that is very important therefore very often just to let you know right now we do something called heparin bridging okay what is heparin bridging that means if i'm going to use warfarin i'm going to start off heparin first so heparin will be used first when starting warfarin this is because the heparin activation of antithrombin 3 right will enable anticoagulation during initial transient hypercoagulable state because of warfarin right so heparin activation of antithrombin 3 will give you anticoagulation which is very important with the starting phase of warfarin which is hypercoagulable state right the importance of this initial therapy is to reduce the risk of recurrent venous thromboembolism or skin and tissue necrosis yeah and now coming back to the basics of it it uh, has a long half-life right that is important number two it interacts with cytochrome p450 inhibitors so be very careful when you're giving other drugs which are cytochrome p450 inhibitors they increase the warfarin effect so be very careful 
right? It's main use instead of an uh, see with heparin it's for immediate anticoagulation, right? Here is more for chronic anticoagulation. So there's a distinction here which is very clear. Heparin is for immediate anticoagulation. Warfarin is for chronic anticoagulation, right? So when I say chronic anticoagulation is in cases of prevention, for example, prevention of stroke in an AF patient, prophylaxis of venous thromboembolism. First disadvantage, it cannot be used in pregnant women because it crosses placenta. Second disadvantage, you have to monitor your PTIR very, very closely. Okay, because it has a tendency to increase your PTINR tremendously, right? So therefore, noting that what is the site in fact, obviously with raising PTINR is bleeding, right? It also importantly can lead to an initial risk of hypercoagulation okay remember that initial risk of hypercoagulation it also causes skin and tissue necrosis right due to the decrease levels of protein c giving rise to small vessel microthrombi okay what are the other side effects we see commonly are purple toe syndrome due to fat embolus and purpura fulminance and fetal if mother takes it the fetal side effect it, it's highly teratogenic so it can cause warfarin embryopathy when this affects at least five percent of fetuses where if i've administered the warfarin between six to twelve weeks importantly right and this embryopathy is dose dependent that means it's higher in patients who are on a dose of more than 5 mg per day so what are the features of warfarin embryopathy congenital heart defects laryngomalacia mid face hypoplasia scoliosis stippled epiphysis giving rise to short proximal limb and phalanges so the antidote for rapid reversal you'll have to use fresh frozen plasma or prothrombin complex concentrate or you can also use vitamin K okay for a slow reversal clear so that concludes uh, the two important drugs 
or two important anticoagulants, heparin and warfarin.